0: On episode three of the Supercharged podcast, we are so honored to sit with Carly Beaudry, womb mama. This beautiful beautiful woman doesn't fit into one box. She is heavily researched, experience-led, passionate, honoring, and so giving in all she does in bringing women's health to light, empowering ourselves and honoring our ancestral lineage.
1: We invite you to sit with the ideas we discuss today with an open heart and an open mind and feel into the powerful beings that we are and all that means for you as a woman, as a daughter, as a sister, a granddaughter, a mother, grandmother, or if you are a man listening today, we invite you to uh, listen into and feel into what that means for the women in your life.
0: Today's podcast, we have a very, very strong, powerful so internally beautiful and kind and resilient woman Um, the characteristics the characteristics are ongoing Um, I've been a client patient of hers Um, we have Carly here with us today um, an advocate of women's health um, an expert on every part of the women's body Um, she's journeyed with so many different different women and men um, seeking to improve and get to know their health on a, on a very, very intimate level. And Carly, like we're so thankful to have you here. We're going to pick your brain, um, probably cry, I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. I obviously like the best, clearest way to start this is just to tell everybody like your story, how you got started on the work that you're doing and And then we can get into your mission and how you're just going to change this place.
2: Totally. Um, My story weaves and, you know, has taken many different paths that's brought me to the work that I'm doing today and where I'm at. Um, I've always had painful periods my whole life, and that's been a struggle for me. When I was 18, I went and did my massage training out in Vancouver, and I went to a really cool school that introduced me to a ton of different therapies. And it really started me on the path of of body work and working um, with physical body and healing. Um, And then when I was 24 years old, I went to Africa and did some humanitarian work. And that just blew my whole paradigm on life. The work that I did over there, I worked with uh, kids and did massage therapy with kids with severe cerebral palsy. Wow. Yeah. And it really woke up this mother inside of me that I had never been connected to in my life. Um, And that experience also uh, woke me up to women's health rights, human rights. One day I was at the clinic with some of our kids sick with malaria, and there was a woman, a young woman, I would say probably 18, maybe 20 years old, lying on the ground outside, and she looked like she was dying. And I had a relationship with the doctor, so I asked him, what was wrong with her and he said that she tried to give herself an abortion and was internally bleeding to death and that rocked me because when I was I think I was 19 I had my first abortion I was at the peak of my drug addiction and I knew I couldn't uh, support a child I could barely support myself and I just couldn't imagine Mm -hmm. having to give myself an abortion and not having that choice. Um, And that just, you know, totally rocked me to the core. And I started searching midwifery schools and, you know, how I could um, be of more service rather than just doing massage therapy. And I found this amazing school in Victoria, the Pacific Rim College, and the owner there developed the um, probably the best doula training in North America that there is. Being a doula isn't a regulated thing. Um, so you could l- literally read a book and call yourself a doula mm-hmm. and breathe. there she developed a four-month program where you're trained by midwives and naturopaths and when I got back home from Africa I went there and did my training in that and that just blew my whole world mm-hmm. open to women's health women's healing menstrual health um, and pregnancy and I was just like floored at how little i knew about my body about yeah. my menstruation about how you know how hell pregnancy works and yeah. all of it and i just felt like this deep pain and grief in my body that this is something i should have known my whole life and our society doesn't support that um also prior to going right before i moved to victoria i got pregnant with an iud and i just felt so uh, betrayed by my body because I had been clean and sober and had an IUD and was, you know, doing all the right things yeah. and I still got pregnant. I had an, another abortion and that abortion with the IUD, I had the IUD removed. I don't experience a lot of pain, but that even set off a huge pain response in my body. I'd never experienced pelvic floor pain like that. I bled for about a month straight and it just, it rocked my system. Um so that the combination of that abortion this doula training in Victoria was like the culmination of setting me on the path of doing womb healing, pelvic floor healing, pelvic bowl healing work. And when I was living in Victoria, I worked with a sexological body worker and she did intravaginal work with me and in three sessions my vagina felt um went from feeling like this tortured black hole. Mm-hmm. To resilient vagina again like it was astounding to me the difference like I wanted to touch her and have a relationship with her rather than feeling betrayed by her yeah um and excuse me for my binary binary language but when I'm talking about my body my vagina to me is a her Mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah, the combination of those experiences really set me on the path of doing this work. And I went and trained with Kimberly Ann Johnson, um, the author of the Fourth Trimester. I went over to England and trained with her and her mentor Ellen Heed. Um, they're both sexological body workers and have trauma in background or background in trauma. And that training just blew my whole world open. I had <laughs> no idea how repressed my sexuality was and how repressed my relationship to my own body and other women's bodies. And it was amazing to just you know, normalize touching my vagina or have receiving touch from another person was. Yeah. And then I've also trained um, with Tammy Lynn Kent, the author of The Wild Feminine, who is a PT down in Oregon and she's just phenomenal. She's really groundbreaking in pelvic floor
1: therapy. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing that with us. I know that even just in like two or three minutes, it's hard to recap everything that yeah. makes you who you are today. Yeah. Um, we have so much to cover today with you, <laughs> but I think this whole, I know this whole journey that y- you've been on and makes you who you are today is exactly what allows you to connect with the people that you do on a daily basis, the women and... And the men too. And it is such a special offering mm-hmm. that you do for, with women. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like? That, that when someone comes to you, what, where they come from all walks of life Yeah. and what, are, what are they typically coming to you for?
2: My I'd say my specialty or my niche is the pelvic bowl. Mm-hmm. Um our I believe our health resides in the health and resiliency of our pelvic bowl and especially as women and female bodied people, we have grown up so disconnected from our pelvic bowls, um, from their relationship with our uterus, relationship with our vaginas, our vulvas, all of it. So I work with teen girls experiencing painful periods. Um I work with women trying to get pregnant, endometriosis, PCOS, fibroids, polyps, prolapse, incontinence, um, menopause, women in menopause that are feeling super disconnected, really mm-hmm. dry vagina, not experiencing the sex that they want to experience. You name it, um, laparoscopic surgeries, C-sections, LEAP procedures. The amount of women experiencing cervical dysplasia these days and having the LEAP procedure, which is affecting them majorly later on in life, mm-hmm. is a really big problem as well. I truly feel and believe that women's health is in an epidemic with the amount of um, diseases and imbalances women are experiencing these days, and it's a symptom of our disconnected society and
1: way that we're living right now. Yeah, like you nailed it right on the head. This is... All of the things that you just listed, it's like this is drama to our body. These people yeah. are coming to you um, with all of this disease and before and why are we not looking at this before maybe it even gets to this place? Absolutely. And where does that disconnect come from and and how do we remedy that? This in my opinion, this
2: disconnect comes from our way our patriarchal colonialistic way of living. We are disconnected from being in relationship with the land and we are disconnected from being in relationship with our bodies. The amount of women that go to their doctor and tell them their symptoms and their doctor's like, it's no big deal. This is just part of being a woman. Or they don't believe you, you know, women that are in pain. I cannot tell you how many clients that I've had who are literally bleeding to death and their doctor's like, oh, you're fine, and they go to emergency and have to have a blood transfusion. Like, it is so... It's a disease within our system that does not prioritize women's health and does not believe women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's research showing that doctors don't believe women's symptoms.
1: Right. Yeah. And so do, like, women just don't necessarily even trust themselves anymore because no. they're being told yeah. by someone else what you are experiencing isn't real or it's well, normal? Or women are, or...
0: and for such a strong... We're such a strong sex we really give our power away 100%. in terms of believing what looking to other people to fix us yeah, i yeah. think in the last while for sure since we started the God lab like i've thought more and more about how i can take ownership of being my own best doctor you are your own best doctor and but thinking of how i mean like you've listed simple things like that women can experience on a cycle different cycle basis cysts, fibers they come and go but obviously they get to a very serious level that may be pretty- prevents fertility or horrible periods but it's like okay come back to the roots what is what is the basics Mm -hmm. of this whole operation that's feeding your system month after month and making you who you are
2: absolutely and this is why i'm so passionate about the work that i do um i don't believe in healing people um i believe in guiding and supporting and educating people about their body so that they can take their health back and take it out of the system we've really placed our medical system on a pedestal and believe yeah. that what doctors say is tried and true and that it's not true in my opinion grant are doctors necessary 100% yes and I really respect the job that they do but when it comes to women's health and thriving that's not their specialty and we need to stop going to them for those issues we need to you know check in with ourselves and really find what medicine it is that we need and we need a guide. We need a mentor. We've really lost that in our way of living. Elders are there for a reason. You know, mentorship is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I, I view my work as like womb mentorship.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Where did we, where did, was that turning point? Like where did we lose? lose this? Yeah.
2: thousand years ago yeah. when the witch hunts started, when people, you know, started to shift into a colonialistic, industrialized way of living where baby form granted you know formula is a good thing if you can't breastfeed. but you know when we shifted into eating food out of a box and not growing our own food like that shift from a disconnect of the land into urbanization I've taken a history class on midwifery and it really just fucking rocked my world mm-hmm. on how the medical system and industrialization took women's practices from women and shifted it into this profitable um, business. Business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And so scary. And so fucking but, scary. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. My mouth's like on the ground. I'm not going to lie. I just... Oh, Carly K. So I think just like as a basics of understanding or basis of understanding for people when they come see you, the treatments are like obviously evaluation, but the... The practice of the uterus itself or the pelvic bowl. like Can you walk us through some of that?
2: Yeah, so when someone comes to see me, I use my 15 years of bodywork experience in every session I do. Each session is unique and different. Um, but the basis of it is all bringing the body back into alignment and balance. My niche is the pelvic bowl, but I'm working with your whole system and whole structure because I don't believe in symptomatic work. Symptomatic mm-hmm. work is it doesn't, you know, get to the root cause of anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm working with the connective tissue of the body to bring everything back into alignment and balance on a global um, way of working with the body. And then we do really specific uterine alignment work. To me, the uterus is the anchor. It is the absolute center of the pelvic bowl, which is the center of our whole structure. And if she's off, everything above it is going to be off as well. And things don't function the way they're supposed to when they're out of alignment. Yeah. That's why we have so many chiropractors, you know. Yeah. But we just think, oh, bones are the only thing that matter. No,
0: mm-hmm. everything matters yeah. in the body. So if you've been told you've got, you have a tilted uterus or it's over yeah. on one side or it's broken, it's not. Like, come no. see Carly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the amount of women that have retroverted, tilted uteruses. Right. Retroverted means it's uh, tilted backwards towards your colon is I would say more than half women are in that position. And our medical system doesn't view that as a problem
1: at all. And how detrimental is that to hear that? 100%. And then absorb that and that become... Your truth. Your truth. Yeah. It is... That is what is almost the worst to me, is when people in any situation hear something and that becomes their truth rather than listening to their body Like before we even get to this point, point. and yeah. really allowing it to speak to us and listening. Yeah.
0: yeah. So the, like just the operating on not operating, but like the, the release of that tilted, Yeah. the uterus, like the ligaments, the blood increasing blood the blood flow. flow,
2: everything. So your uterus, when it's fallen out of alignment can literally get stuck to your psoas, can compress an ovary, can get stuck to your colon, stuck to your bladder If it's stuck to your colon or your bladder, an osmosis effect can happen between those organs and they can pass toxins back and forth, creating more frequent bladder infections, constipation, causing your uterus to be a more toxic, stagnant place. The uterus is this hollow organ and if she's fallen over... Um, when the uterus goes to contract and release its lining, and it's not in proper alignment, it can't fully release its lining. So it can be literally holding on to tissue that is who knows ten plus years old. I've worked with women and even myself doing this work. I for nine months straight, I had period blood that started off as dry coffee grounds coming out for nine months, and I was like, "This is fucking crazy. How is this continuing?" But it was old. I don't even know how old probably from like when I was I think I was 15 years old when I got my first STI I got gonorrhea and chlamydia and gonorrhea and chlamydia create scar tissue in our sexual organs Mm -hmm. and if you don't do anything about that scar tissue it is just going to stay there and then I just had this like you know brainwave it's like this is that old scar tissue finally being released from my uterus wow years later years like this was just last winter that this blood was coming out after three years of right. doing this work
0: And it how, takes how time we,
1: absolutely yeah. as all good things do yes. and how often do the do people go to whoever they're probably their medical professional and here you have something going on your bladder you have something going on your colon and never is that connection made to the uterus. Back to the uterus. Ever. No.
2: And we cannot disconnect anything in the body. It is one ecological system. Every piece affects the other piece. Um, that's why I don't do symptomatic work. It's all about working, bringing the whole system back into alignment and balance. Um, my one teacher, Ida Rolf, in my Rolfing background, believed when a person lived in an organized body, and gravity could flow through the system, the body would spontaneously heal itself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what I view as my work. I'm just guiding things back to where they're supposed to be, and your body is doing the healing. Yeah, it knows. It knows. It yeah. 100% knows. And we are innately wired to heal.
1: Yes. And yeah. our body wants to get back to yes. that balance. and that Exactly. Harmony. It craves
2: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hmm. So when we go back and look at... Our, what would it have looked like for women past that thousand year mark, um, before the shift? Yeah, before the shift. What what would it have looked like? Would we have
2: wise women, midwives, tending? They were our doctors, air quotes doctors. Mm-hmm. You know, back then, tending to the to women in there when uh, girls would get their first period, we'd go to the red tents. You know, what do you think happened in those red tents? We were tending to one another and taking care of one another and massaging each other's wombs and vulvas and vaginas. And then you'd get wise woman care when you gave birth and while you were pregnant and in the postpartum period. And all this work is about reclaiming that work again because it lives in our DNA. Mm -hmm. 100% lives in our DNA. We carry ancestral trauma. We carry ancestral healing as well. Yeah.
0: I love that. But like talking to like our cycles, it's become something that we just dismiss or like mm-hmm. complain about, or we're just like, "Oh, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. D- I, haven't had it in so long because I have the best birth control or whatever it is." Or give it just a like,
1: nickname that's I don't, yeah diminishes what it truly.
0: But it tells us how our body is doing. But why? How? Why are we doing this? Be, well, I
1: believe
2: our disconnect from our blood and our menstrual cycle is a big connection to the patriarchy, telling Mm. us that your period is the burden you bear as a woman. Um, And that has just been ingrained into us generation after generation. And now we're in this, like, dire times of women's health and disconnection from our wombs and our uteruses. And getting back to a place where we enjoy our blood, we are connected to our cycles, we can touch our blood and not be grossed out by it because it's just an innate part of being you know, a female, um, yeah, it's so, so important to have that spiritual, emotional and physical connection to our blood.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Really it's, and I, I don't like to, um, rag on men, but it, if you go back in the history, it is the patriarchy that took this from us Mm -hmm. and it's all a reclamation. Yeah, the shame we carry in our bodies about our menstruation, the shame about our physical bodies, about the way our vulvas look. Like, it drives me insane the amount that the rate of vulvoplasty, the women getting plastic surgery on their vulvas because they carry so much shame about the way it
0: looks, is crazy. Yeah, you touched on that at one, uh, one of so our... It's so crazy. I can't believe that's an industry. It's an industry. And it's just like, this is your...
2: You know, your body, you don't need to alter it and make it look like a porn star's mm-hmm. because perfectionism is bullshit. Yeah. And your vulva is perfect and is supposed to be different, like just like a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. And that's been taken from us, 100%, and we need to reclaim that.
1: Where does someone... So where do we begin? <laughs> For someone who wants to reclaim it and that they are so disconnected from it and even just sitting with the thought of this is... overwhelming overwhelming. absolutely yeah what's a really great way way wait yeah to begin
2: I think it's, it's baby steps the book wild feminine by Tammy Lynn Lynn Kent is a beautiful beautiful place to start in reclaiming your relationship with your womb and pelvic floor and vagina and vulva Um, And I really like to um, differentiate between vulva and vagina. A lot of folks don't know the difference. The vulva is the outside, your labias, your clitoris, everything that you can touch and see on the outside. Your vagina is just the interior part. And then your pelvic floor is the musculature. So knowing our anatomy is another really great place to start, knowing your full anatomy. I teach a workshop where we go through every single structure show it on slideshows, and then I show my body. I show my vulva to the people in the workshop because we need to start to see other folks' bodies and mm-hmm. get a step out of the shame yeah. that we're living in, yeah. you know, and normalize this. Like, your vulva, yes, it is such a sacred place in your body, but it's also just a fucking body,
0: you yeah. know? Like, we should be able to walk around naked yeah. and be totally okay with it, Right. I remember, like, I used to live in Korea, and we, we'd go to, like, Korean saunas, and yeah, it was really the first time, yeah, I was like, okay, this is the thing, like, <laughs> and it's it, totally okay, and it took time, for yeah. sure, coming from, like, change rooms, where you're, like, in a towel, like, mm-hmm. skirting around, but I was like, all right, and I mean, they all spoke Korean, and they were talking about the foreign girl that was naked in there, but <laughs> I knew some Korean, but it was, I felt more powerful in my body there. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, and it was that puritanical
2: um you know people that it was like you cannot show your body you know your body is only for your husband and yeah. blah 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 and it's just it's a bunch
0: of horseshit mm-hmm. yeah. yeah can we talk I know we'll probably just jump around a little bit but about some of those products that are affecting our systems like tampons that yes. are filled with chemicals Absolutely. Um, that aren't organic. We all need to stop using tampons, organic or
2: not, Mm -hmm. Um, and pads. In my opinion, we should be using the Diva, any kind of cup, any kind of menstrual cup, um, and cloth pads. Um, It's way better for the earth, and that is super important. Healing our relationship to our body is also healing our relationship to the earth, and our earth is in dire straits right now, in my opinion. Um, But yeah, like... Commercially made tampons and um, pads are full of chemicals and your vaginal vulvar tissue is mucosal tissue, just like the tissue on the inside of your mouth. So it absorbs everything in like 30 seconds. Oh, Like it's crazy. It's just like doing medicine sublingually. It's absorbed fast, right? And the same thing. And that just creates an even more toxic, acidic environment in our Mm -hmm. pelvic bowls.
1: And for someone who like maybe get it like cost is an issue like to buy yeah. organic so looking at even like cloth pads or the diva cup like that exactly not, it's, it's an it's initial
2: if investment but then it's going to last you forever yeah. literally as long as you take care of it yeah yeah it's
0: the way to go i'm just amazed that products like this in such a market that's regulated in terms of health industry and we know that a lot with like our the stuff we sell yeah but how are these products allowed on the shelf is just beautiful. it's mind-blowing yeah Absolutely,
2: but it's you know, it's the same as like how is birth control a thing, yeah. And another part that I really like about um pads, uh, the cloth pads, and the menstrual cup is it forces you to touch your blood, Mm -hmm. and that creates a relationship. And like when I wash my pads and rinse the blood out of them, or when I empty my cup, I empty it in a bowl and I give it back to the earth, I'm not dumping it down the toilet, Mm. you know. And it's so beautiful to honor my own body and honor the earth at the same time. Like this isn't woo woo shit. Like mm-hmm. it's literally like I feed my house plants with it
0: too. It's nutrients, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh well, yeah, and that comes back to I mean placenta's after birth and how they're absolutely so filled of, of nutrients for the mother afterwards. Yeah. All right, Lex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it just reminds me of, like it was birth kind of brings out that um, for me it brought out just like being free with your body just like you get to this place when you're in labor that for me like I don't care who sees me I'm naked and if you're around you're gonna see that and and then when Sawyer was born we actually buried his placenta in the tree in our backyard and it's just such a beautiful offering and something that I talk about with the kids often yeah. and they know that <laughs> that's where it is. And I think that's also lost to uh, now in our society, especially where we live, that we don't talk about this with kids. So by the time we get to adulthood, it is a taboo, shame-filled, yeah. um, giggly type of yeah subject that we're all uncomfortable with
2: yeah and this is a question I get asked a lot in the workshops I teach is like how do you introduce like sexuality sensuality to your kids and I don't have children but to me it's like kids masturbate in utero kids masturbate right off the hop and not suppressing that and turning it into a dirty wrong thing is so important. Like, yeah, tell your kid, don't masturbate at the kitchen table or in the co-op.
0: You know, like, this
2: is (laughs) for your pleasure in your private time, so do it in your bedroom. But it's great, you know, encouraging it, but also setting boundaries around it. And also not naming it a woo-woo and a pee-pee. Like, give it the correct anatomical terms so that your child knows what their body is made of.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where do you think that that respect peace for one another start... How does that conversation start, too? Because I think that's a big one. It's, like, as kids start to learn different vocabulary, they're, like, in the dark about, like, calling women different names or, like, um, in a negative tone. Like, how do we empower both men... Or both boys and girls from a young age to stand up for themselves? Like, how to treat one another? Not just, like, be nice, but... Does that make sense? Like... I think that – I remember when we were in grades – I think I was in grade five. I think a boy had said to me that he saw me giving this other guy a blowjob. I was, like, 10, at the lake, and I was, like, what the heck is that? And I was getting ready for bed, and I asked mom and dad, like, "Like this guy told me that he saw me doing this to this other boy, and I was, like – I- And, like, mom and dad were, like, Kate, you didn't. Like, this is – what it means but these words are being tossed around like so you learn from your peers but how do you empower them to a not use that language stand up for it when you are accused of doing these things totally and like just stand in your power because all of a sudden you're I was like so ashamed like I was mm-hmm. like no like no I didn't do that to him like it, learning
1: from their peers but where are the peers learning
0: from? Well, I guess that's it. How do we teach these this as parents, that conversation from the get-go? Mm-hmm. And to me, parents need to
2: advocate for proper, like parents need to step up and have the sex talk right off the hop, like teaching their kids from two, three years old about their body and calling their body by the correct anatomical terms, but also advocate advocating for proper sex education, education in the schools, because it's bullshit what's taught in schools, and kids deserve to learn consent, pleasure-based sex education, all of it, so that kids aren't being educated by porn, because porn is totally. extremely toxic. Oh,
0: and now they can find it... Everywhere.
2: Anytime. So
0: yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's a whole other... <laughs> I know. But it's all related. It's like, as a yeah. mother, like, I don't have ch- kids yet, but it's like, how would I teach my children about stepping into their light as... As humans, like men or female, and yeah, and how are you going to that? How does that light also reflect on others? And how do you respect people? And I grew up in an extremely sex-positive home. My mom was a
2: prostitute when she was thirteen till she was eighteen, and so she's she has has such an amazing view on sexuality and our bodies and our ownership. And she always taught us about owning our own pleasure and that our yes or no, meant yes or no. Mm. And that sex is a great fucking thing. And we deserve to feel Mm -hmm. pleasure in our bodies and touch ourselves. And we need to normalize that. And like talking about our periods or seeing my mom bleeding was a normal, seeing my mom walk around naked was a normal thing growing Mm -hmm. up. And parents need to do that with their children. You know, your little boys should see you bleed as a mother to normalize it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So they don't freak the fuck out when they're with their first girlfriend or
1: whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that like being a mom of three boys, that for me is something that I think about often is I have the privilege to raise three boys so Mm -hmm. that they can be gentlemen in every regard and support whoever they end up with and treasure them exactly in all areas of life yeah i think it's it's important work yeah 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 so
2: it's it's huge
0: um okay talk to us about the pelvic bowl and how are women navigating that Mm. (laughs) post-pregnancy the postpartum period is like
2: again a whole conversation in and of itself we have um put so many expectations on moms to get their body back after birth, to get back into life after birth, that six weeks postpartum, you're good to go, get back to regular life. And those are all lies. Um, The pelvic bowl is you have literally done the biggest thing in your life, birthing Mm -hmm. another human. And your pelvic floor has gone through the biggest transformation it's ever going to go through. The uterine ligaments, growing with you as you're growing your baby they take nine months to grow out nine you know plus to grow to the length that they're gonna get to there's no fucking way in hell in six weeks they're going back to their normal size like that is so stupid ligaments are avascular which means they do not get a lot of blood flow because they're just like dense call it collagenous tissue in the body they take 12 to 18 months to go back to their normal size so if you think at six weeks you can get back to your CrossFit, your HIT fitness, your running, you're, you're you're wrong. Like, sorry, but that's just the reality of it.
1: And or if you do do that, you're you're probably setting yourself like, up to, yeah, yeah to suffer in some way down the line. Down the
2: line, hundred percent. The amount of women that hit menopause and their pelvic floor gives out is rising and rising. The amount of women that are experiencing autoimmune disorders because they're not tending to and caring for their bodies in the postpartum period. Because you are in such a vulnerable state, and if you think you can just bounce back into life and, you know, get on your green smoothies and salads every day, and back to exercising, no, yeah, that's setting you up for failure later on.
0: And that's a really interesting like connection, the autoimmune piece and the yeah, huh?
2: Yeah, in traditional Chinese medicine, they believe because your system has been opened up to such a massive place after giving birth, that if you tend to yourself for the first 40 days, like eating uh, blood-building foods, soups, stews, bone broths, using blood-building herbs, and staying at home, not carrying anything bigger than the weight of your baby, barely even leaving your bed for those first 40 days, and just tending to yourself, receiving loving, nurturing care, not being all alone with just your baby... The mother needs the exact same care that baby needs. Yeah. Um, if you do that in those first 40 days, you can totally like rewire and reset your system. It's phenomenal. But the amount of us that actually get that is minimal because we're not taught that we need it and we don't prioritize it because we're not taught that our body is a priority, <laughs> yeah. right? We're like, yeah, this is just the burden of womanhood
0: and no. Yeah, it's a badge of honor almost to be like I'm back Exactly. in my pants mm-hmm. that I was in yeah. before.
1: Yeah, and some some women naturally are back in their yeah. pants, and like I definitely wasn't. I know. I think I had to throw it all, not throw it, give away all my, you know, yeah. pants from before. But I think um, some women definitely are. It's a, that a conversation piece is so important to have with the people around you too, because totally. whether you, if you want that you need the support around you and you need, you need um, people to really be there for you. Yeah.
2: And if we were living in ways that supported women and motherhood and like, if you saw your aunties breastfeeding, you saw your mother give birth, your aunties give birth, and this was just a regular part of your lifestyle, then we wouldn't have all these stupid expectations. So getting back to an, you know, older ways of living and healing is, again, just so important for really the thriving of the family unit and community. And Yeah, we live in such secular private lifestyles. No fucking wonder we're suffering
0: so much. Yeah, for sure. A relationship yeah. with your phone. Exactly. Um, okay, so that pelvic care post-pregnancy, what about if someone's had a C-section, how does that care?
2: Yeah. And, Look, you know, a lot of um, women and folks that have had C-sections believe that, oh, I didn't, you know, baby yeah. didn't come out through my vagina, so I'm good to go. Well, no, that extra weight and movement has been sitting on your pelvic floor for the past nine plus months. Yeah. Your pelvic floor still needs to be tended to and cared for. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on, on, on a little bit more different of a timeline because your C-section needs to heal first. Yeah. But it's so, so important. Like C-section is a major, major surgery. They're Mm -hmm. cutting through every layer, cutting through nerves, cutting through muscle. And you need so much tendering and care too. Even post-abortion, post-miscarriage, you are still postpartum after those experiences. And you need just as much care as a woman who's given birth. And we don't realize that like after my abortions, I didn't consider myself to be postpartum. Why would I think that? Yeah, of course. Right. But you do, you still have the hormone surging. You still had a baby leave your body, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it was your choice or not with a miscarriage and you need just as much loving, tender care
1: Mm -hmm.
2: as a term baby.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You offer, um, really amazing tools to women. Um, both in what you do for services, but also in um, like vaginal steaming and mm-hmm. castor oil packs. Can yeah. can you talk a little bit what they are, how they work, and when you would do that?
2: Yeah. So castor oil packs and vaginal steaming are my two go-to practices for women um, and people with uteruses, and they are practices that you can literally practice throughout your whole life. I have mothers buy steaming stools for their daughters when they start menstruating. And I'm, it's something that you can do up until the day you die. So steaming, you, would, you can squat over a pot or you can sit on a steaming stool with a pot of hot water and herbs underneath you. I prefer it with a steaming stool just because it's more comfortable. And the more comfortable you are, the more you're going to enjoy the process. Um, so yeah, you're sitting over this pot of hot herbs. Never, ever, ever use essential oils. They're too uh, potent for vaginal vulvar tissue. Um, and you know it depends on what you're experiencing in your body but you can use a whole range of herbs and I really encourage intuitively connecting in with what herb is going to serve you most Um, and it's something that I do I try to do multiple times a month just to tend to and care for my body because my body is doing so much for me every single day Um, especially living in Canada like steaming in the winter is the fucking best, you know, <laughs> it's such a great practice.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, what yeah. is it actually doing when you're so sitting in the steam? When you're steaming, it's increasing blood flow to your pelvic floor. And because most of us are so hypertonic and our muscles are so tight, the blood flow is restricted to our pelvic floor. So it's, it's kind of like we're strangling off blood flow and lymph flow. So the steam and the heat is increasing blood flow, softening. It's an embodiment practice because you're feeling what's going on and the sensations that are arising and Mm -hmm. changing. And then the properties of the herbs are going up into your tissue in the steam as well. So it depends on what herb you're using as to what benefit you're getting out of it, right? But like marshmallow root is really great for hydration and and lubrication. Um, Mm -hmm. Rose is astringent and healing, chamomile, I use a number of different herbs. Um, So yeah, it's just such a beautiful practice. And if you think of a pot and you have the lid on it and it starts to boil, the steam lifts the lid off the pot. So women who are experiencing prolapse can really help create some lifting action in their pelvic floors with regular steaming. And it's one of the best practices postpartum as well. Yeah, your body would just drink it up. Exactly. I think it's so neat yeah it's so beautiful yeah yeah
0: well I just think it's like it's such a you're gonna like drink cheese but this is an immediate impact to those to that specific area area. yeah yeah
2: Yeah, so like I'll make a pot of my herbs and I'll let it steep I don't let the water boil because that's too hot but I'll let it steep for 15-20 minutes I'll take out a cup to drink while I'm sitting and steaming at the same time Mm -hmm. you know hit it at both ends literally (laughs) um (laughs) And then the castor oil packs is another amazing practice. We all have adhesion in our bodies from our stress and inflammation and lifestyles. And castor oil is extremely high in ricinoleic acid, which is believed to penetrate tissue down to a cellular level, um, soften and mend adhesion and scar tissue, detoxify tissue, increase blood flow and lymph flow. So doing castor oil packs again is another practice. I like to do, like I'll do a month of straight 20, 30 minute castor oil packs with the season changes just as a Mm -hmm. way of tending to my body. And this is like a ritual that we all need to get back into is tending and caring for our bodies. For the most part, we ignore them and expect them to just keep up with us and keep serving us. And it's like, why would your body serve you if you're not tending to it, Yeah. right? Um, So yeah, castor oil packs are amazing. You can do them over your womb, over your liver. Over your breasts, if you're having any kind of like breast tenderness, lumps, whatever, their castor oil is magic. I also recommend castor oil as lubrication during sex. If you're having any kind of pain or dryness or have uh, an episiotomy, also inserting castor oil deep intravaginally for cervical health. Mm. Yeah. I didn't know it was so multi-purpose. So it's amazing. You just don't want to drink it. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to use organic cold-pressed castor oil. Otherwise, it's extremely, like, full of pesticides and herbicides. Okay, and toxic. yeah. So that's super important. Yeah, that's
1: key. Yeah. It's amazing that the work that you do is amazing and unfortunate that it's, like, so courageous and unique. But it's something that... Once upon a time, was just everywhere
2: the norm, hundred percent. And um, one of the reasons why I, cho- I just moved to Calgary from Saskatoon, one of the reasons why I chose to move here um, is to give myself a bigger platform to start teaching. Mm-hmm. Because this work, I I literally had to travel the world to learn this work, and I'm so grateful that I had the privilege to do that. But this work deserves to be accessible to everyone, and that's my mission. Yeah. Is to teach this across Canada. Yeah. I've taught workshops up in northern Saskatchewan where there is literally zero Mm -hmm. options. And it breaks
0: my heart and it's wrong. Yeah. I'd almost say there's zero options in Calgary. Yeah. Well, I'm the only person in this city. It blows my mind. (laughs) Like, Lex is like, look at Carly. Like, woo mama on Instagram. Find her, everyone. But you moved from Saskatoon. I was like, we got her. We got her. (laughs) yeah
2: and it, it blows my mind that right now now I'm the only person practicing this work here um, specifically the Vego therapy work um, but to me it's because it's not accessible to go and learn to mm-hmm. go down to the states and pay a ton of money and it's just not right that you know that it's that way
0: yeah
1: yeah but I think on a, like on another level we can all be that ourselves, and we can be that for each other and we don't as we talked about in the beginning, we don't have to look, and we shouldn't be looking outside of ourselves yeah. for that. Um, so, as much and all as you are the only person in the city, um, we really need to start looking inward. Yeah, we need to
2: start looking inward, but we we um, need that guide. Yeah, of course, to do it properly. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And to witness and hold space for you know, our healing is so mm-hmm. important because that's another problem that I find with our society of everybody thinks that they just need to do everything on their own and you need to be witnessed in your process and you need someone to hold space. Like I am like tried and true of the lone wolf fucking head down ass up. I'll just take care of business myself Mm -hmm. and opening myself up to others supporting me is such deep, deep healing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not looking for answers from them. I'm just asking them to support and hold space for me. Yeah. Right? And there's a big difference in that, especially with all the stuff that we're doing with online programs today, where a lot of us are doing a lot of healing in the private of our own homes and going into workshop space, guided space. We just need more of that, I think. Yeah.
1: You know? So speaking of workshops and guided space, where can people find you in the next little while and
2: um i'm teaching a workshop next sunday i don't know on october 20th at pranic forest on womb health the female pelvis womb care and i'm teaching again at junction nine here in calgary on november 1st from 7 p.m till 9 p.m and then i'm teaching out of my home on november 16th from one till five with madeline mckinnon who is a uh, natural hormone balancing nutritionist and then like once the new year hits there'll be a lot more opportunities for workshops and i'm just like getting my roots
1: in yeah. calgary yeah and also people can follow along on instagram at yeah Woom mama.
2: Woom mama and
1: yeah. what's your website
2: my website's carlyrae c-a-r-l-y-r-a-e dot Yeah and I'm in the process of developing um, a lot more like retreat style workshops. Uh, One of my mentors down in LA teaches a reclamation of the speculum workshop. So it's teaching women how to do their own cervical checks and use a speculum so that, you know, um, going to the doctor for a pelvic exam can be a very traumatizing experience. And if you walk in there with your own speculum and like can kind of guide your doctor. It can be a really empowering thing. Mm -hmm. And I plan on starting teaching that in the new year. And it's just, it's revolutionary work in my Mm -hmm. opinion. Yeah. And we all deserve to know this and do this and have this connection with our bodies. And yeah, heal truly. Mm
0: -hmm. You are such a gift. Thank you. You really are. Do you have any, I don't know. Do you have any last words? Mm -hmm. Like how this mission of yours where, what is like the one thing that like people can can reflect on um, themselves right now as yeah. like a first step to
2: one thing that I think about on like a daily basis is my ancestral lineage and how doing this work for myself, just reclaiming my own body, is part of that ancestral healing that we all carry mm-hmm. um, that is serving the whole world. When you change your connections start to change and on a physiological level you know we were all an egg inside our mother's fetus inside our grandmother's womb so that is a direct physical connection to your ancestry to your lineage and it branches back all the way you know but some people need to think about that straight up physiological connection and I think it's just so beautiful and so important to think about I'm healing my grandma yeah as I'm doing this work and God knows what fucking kind of birth she, or process she had when she gave birth to my mother, she could have been knocked out by doctors and had her baby just taken out of her. We don't, I, mean, I don't know that, but women have suffered for too long and it's time for it to stop.
0: Like my heart breaks daily in my practice doing this work. Yeah. Yeah. You said to me once that you talk to them all the time. And yeah. I love that. Um, our, like, grandmothers have come up more recently. Lexi's been talking about our connection to our grandparents and, and reaching out to them and just having dreams about them. And I think that's, I think it needs to be acknowledged. Like, they're still with you and, they're still and with taking you. care of you and yeah, vice versa. Yeah.
2: And the more we can tap into that connection and relationship with our ancestry, the more potent and important the reclamation of our own bodies becomes.
1: Thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you. This is uh, great. We can't wait to hear more from you and how you change our world one woman at a time.
2: (laughs) Thank you.